when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am uber excited. I have a great guest today. His name is Stan Phelps, and uh, the man kind of swims with goldfish. I don't know. Are you related to Michael Phelps at all? Cause No relation. In fact, Brian, I have, I have webbed toes. So ah. I am disqualified from Olympic swimming. Well, then there's no connection between that. But today we're going to be talking with Stan, and he's with Stan Phelps Speaks, and he's got a great story. But we're going to be talking about goldfish, and uh, that'll make a lot more sense when we get a little further. But Stan, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. So one of the first things I want to do is get my audience to know your backstory and who you are and why you are on the show and why you're here right now. And so how did you go from serving up ice cream at a Caravel to serving up goldfish bowls to corporate people? <laughs> <laughs> goldfish bowls. So yeah, my first job in high school was working in Carvel ice cream, um, working with customers you know, trying to provide a, a great experience for this small little shop I worked at. Um, then a couple decades in in marketing, and I realized, Brian, that marketing was changing. This was around 2008, 2009, with the advent of social. I thought that marketing was less about telling and more about doing, creating that great experience that brought in those referred customers. I, I didn't think marketing was changing fast enough, and I knew what I was doing at the time was part of the problem. So mm. it led me to start a project, which led to a first book, which was called The Purple Goldfish, and now there's 11 different colors in the series. Hmm. So you have a goldfish rainbow. You know, I've run out of colors. like So I have the golden goldfish and the, the diamond goldfish and the silver goldfish. But mm -hmm. the rest are our colors. So have you gotten into like fuchsia and magenta and some of the weirder colors? Well, or? we're going to talk about pink and pink. We do. It's a pretty hot pink. A hot yeah. pink. I love hot yeah. pink. So I kind of get the concept of the books, obviously. You know, it's cool. But what's with the goldfish? Why goldfish? So goldfish is merely a metaphor for differentiation and, and the importance of the role that differentiation plays if you want to grow your business. Okay, that makes sense. So with the with the goldfish and let's we're going to be talking about a pink goldfish which um I'm not sure what the difference is between all the colors but I think we'll find out today. Yeah. And so the pink goldfish, what is the perceived problem that somebody would have that they would want to read your book? What was sure. what's the thing that they think is going on? Well, I think most people understand that it's it's important to be different. So that, to me, that's the perceived problem, that we need to stand out if we want to be successful in business. 
So yeah, differentiation is is really important. I mean, we all try to, you know, obviously stand out. You don't want to be, you know, the the little Walmart or you right. know, <laughs> the, the little Nike or whatever it is. So you have to have some kind of differentiation. But you're you're talking more from a personal level, right? Not so much from a business level or it, both. It, it's it's actually both, Brian. So this is one of the few books in the series that cuts across both from a personal branding as well as an organizational strategy perspective. Okay, so then, so explain, we know what the perceived problem is. We wanna be different, we wanna stand out. Right. What's the real problem? What is the challenge that people face? Well, the real problem is that research will tell you that only about 3% of people actually have the capability of standing out and being different. And, and so it begs the question, where are the other 97% um, where are they stuck? And they're stuck, Brian, in a box. And that box is what's considered norms. Mm -hmm. So the norms of their profession or their industry. Um, and it's hard for them to be able to get outside of that box and see past the norms because they're just tremendous pressure to try to conform and be like everyone else. Right. Well, in, in human beings, we tend to basically segment things and put them into patterns, right? right. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things that's like, if you're trying to be a pattern interrupt, people don't get it a lot right. of times. And, right. and so, you know, it's almost like we kind of lean back when somebody says, what do you do? Right. You know, the first thing I say is I'm a marketing agency. I'm not a marketing agency in any way, shape, or form. But if I explained what I do, right. I would. it would take like 10 minutes. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll even go further is, and I'm a marketer by, by training and decades mm -hmm. in marketing. You know, we say we want to stand out and be different, but one of the worst things we do is benchmarking. Right. Right. So we look at our industry, right? Or we look at our peers and whether we want to admit it or not, we start to break down the things that we believe make them successful. Mm -hmm. And then we start to emulate those things. And that doesn't lead to differentiation. It leads to what I call a sea of sameness. Right. But that's the comfort that we have. To your point, we want to segment we want to start to look at the, the things that we believe make those leaders successful. And then we start to do the same thing. And right. so what Pink Goldfish does, it helps you kind of expand that box and be able to stand out in the marketplace or personally or, or you know, professionally. Okay, so let's say somebody's gotten to the point where they say, you know what, I need to... I need to be different. I need to look different. I need to act different. What's the real solution? I mean, what is it that they have to do in order to do this? And we'll talk about the process later, but it's more sure. about what's the bigger concept. Yeah. So what we, my co-author, a guy named David Rendell, um, fellow North Carolinian by, by way of Wisconsin, um, we studied over 400 examples, case studies. Um, and these were brands, Brian, that were highly differentiated, right? And what we wanted to do is figure out what did they do to actually break that mold and stand out in the marketplace? And it turns out there's only two things you can do if you want to stand out and be different. Okay. 
And the first is what we call a more strategy. So the idea is doing more of what makes you weird, unique, and different. So that would be the Gary Vaynerchuk theory. Right. Absolutely. Right. You know, Gary, Gary's famous for cursing, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is not a norm when you speak. But what I love, Gary, is that he says that's authentically what makes him. He's from New Jersey. Right. Right. Yeah. But, How many guys from New Jersey does it take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> you got an effing problem with what? 10, what right? the hell do you care? I was going to use the <laughs> F word, but, you know, that's the whole point. <laughs> right. right. So so that's a great example. So um, the so that's the more strategy. There's also one that's a little more counterintuitive. It's what's called a less strategy, right? So you look at what everyone else does normal in your industry or in your peer group, and you can actually stand out by intentionally doing less of some things. And so really, really quick, we, we, we have this matrix and we have four animals that we associate in this matrix. Um, and the first is what we call the cows, Right. And mm -hmm. so let me ask you a question, Brian. Are cows unique? Um, not if you're in from Wisconsin. <laughs> you could probably make a, a point that they all kind of look somewhat alike. But right. their spots are like our fingerprints. Right. Right. No two cows are alike. But I think what you're getting at is, do they know that they're unique? No. No, they're blissfully unaware of what makes them unique. In fact, if one cow started to walk... Literally, all of the other cows would follow right behind it, creating a cow path, right? Mm -hmm. And never veer from that. The, the second animal, which is the opposite of the cow, is the peacock. And peacocks are unique because their feathers, the pattern of their feathers, exactly like the spots on that cow, nope, two peacocks are alike. But what's the difference, Brian? They like to strut. Yeah, they're not afraid to put it out there for everyone to see and i love that that we literally call that quadrant the strut quadrant mm -hmm. now the the third animal is what we call the zebra right um now i jokingly say like um has anyone ever been able to tell one zebra from another zebra only if it's an albino zebra right <laughs> an albino right no it's like impossible right mm -hmm. um and it's the idea in that quadrant, you're doing more of what everyone else does as normal, mm -hmm. right? So you're, you're maybe adding stripes or you're like matching the stripes of your competitors and it's impossible to stand out. Um, if you're, we call that the match quadrant when mm -hmm. you're just matching what everyone else does. And then the, the fourth animal is what we call the polar bear. Right, we call this the subtract quadrant. Um, so here's the here's the trivia for you, Brian. What color are polar bears? Well, traditionally they'd be white, at least in the Coke commercial. They are black. Really? And here's the deal: the reason why we see them as white is that their fur is hollow and translucent. Hmm. So when the light passes through their fur, literally all of the colors in the spectrum get removed. And what gets bounced back to our eye is an absence of color, which is white. Hmm. So the, their skin is actually black. And so what we love about polar bears and this idea of subtracting 
is polar bears pretty much live solitary lives. They're not afraid to escape from the herd. And so animals like this are not afraid to do less of what everyone else does as normal. So I tell people that if you want to be the same, you're either like a cow where you're blissfully unaware of what makes you different, or you're like a zebra where you start to just add stripes and do what everyone else does, which is impossible to stand out. But if you truly want to be different, you can be like the peacock and actually double and triple down and strut your uniqueness. Or you can be like the polar bear and actually do less of what everyone else does as normal and stand out. So the, the solution is really either that more or their less strategy. Now, there's eight different ways you can do it that we found. So let's go through the process if you're trying to do, and I'm assuming the less is probably you know, going to be the more common way to do things because the more sure. is, you know, like you said, 3%. Most of us are going to be less. So what's right. the strategy? What are the well, steps? Well, no, here's the thing. 97% of people can't get out of that box of being normal, mm -hmm. right? So the... The more strategy, it has to be something that's inherently different about you. We're not asking anyone to try to create that. We're just telling you, you have uniqueness. Do more of it. Double and lopsided. it. Um, and then on the, on the less side, that can be more intentional. Mm -hmm. Like if all of your competition does A, B, C, and D... The fact that you might not do D, right, is it makes you stand out mm -hmm. and be different, right? It also gives you the ability to save up resources to double and triple down on the things that are important. So right. in terms of an approach or a solution, um, we have kind of a 4A process of doing it. The first is awareness. Like you've got to be aware, Brian, of what makes you different. Now, here the, here's the challenge. A lot of times, and I love the saying, you can't see the label when you're sitting inside the jar. Mm -hmm. So the first step of aware is to actually go out and talk to your customers, right? To talk to your friends and say, hey, what makes me weird, unique, different? Um, what we call flawed, right? But flaw is actually, a, we, we call it, we think it's a good thing to be flawed, mm -hmm. right? Um, so you figure out, you do that. We have an assessment in the book, but you, you go and you look at X amount, you get feedback. That's the awareness phase. The second A is critical. We call that the accept phase. And so the idea here is you're just wrapping your arms around it. You're not trying to push it back. You're just saying, all right, that's what makes me unique and different. The third step is what we call the align phase. So you know what makes you different. When somebody goes to your website, Brian, do they see that uniqueness, right? When they walk into your showroom or office, you know, are they, are they getting that story of being different? And then the fourth and final is what we call the amplify stage. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea where 
there is alignment. You know what makes you different. You've accepted it. You've started to align everything around it. Now you're ready to take it to, if you're going to turn up the volume, take it to 11. It's right? one louder. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, they, now you can start to double and triple down on some things. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it seems simple, but again, there's a reason why 97% of people are stuck in the box. And I thoroughly understand exactly what you're saying because I can see both realms of what I do. You know, there are certain things that make, you know, what I do unique in the sense that, you know, I'm a musician, I have a caption contest, I got a dot, you know, I basically embrace all that stuff and put that out there. But on the other side, what most people are doing, I'm taking things away and saying, we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this. We have a very specific thing that we do, and we do it better than anybody else. So it's like you, it's almost like using both of those things at the same time. I kind of see where you're coming from. So it's resonating. Yeah. And it's, it's the idea at its core about being unapologetic. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and also accepting that. If you try to be all things to all people, you, you're where are you? You're you're nothing, right? Yeah, you, you're nothing you may be average at most, right? Um, yeah. So so it's it's a um, it's it's an interesting approach because I think again everyone wants and knows it's important, Brian, to stand out and be different. But a lot of times we're either in that cow or the zebra quandary. Well, and everybody falls back to, you know, especially when they first start a business, like you say, is I don't want to alienate any possible sales, which immediately by doing that, you're trying to be everything to everybody, which I understand. Right. We've all been there, done that. And then as you get more senior and experienced, you start to learn that I don't want those sales. I don't want those sales. I want these sales. Right. And the more targeted you can get, which does mean Number one, you have to be super confident in who you are and what you do. But number two, you have to be able to know how to put that out there in a way that people are going to understand. Yeah, you need to know who you're, who you're for, who's mm -hmm. your customer, and you want to be great at what your customers value the most. Right. Exactly. You don't have to be – this is not the everything store. Right. So let's take that and kind of put a nice bow on it. And and the last thing I like to talk about is outcomes. Sure. Give me an example of somebody who's implemented this and, and what they what they overcame and what they achieved. Great. So I'll I'll give you I'll give you a few, but the one we love is a cough syrup company that comes from Canada. Hmm. It's called Buckley's. Have you have you ever heard of Buckley's? I have, yes. Okay, great. So let me ask you, what's the flaw if you make cough syrup? What's the flaw if you make yeah, cough Yeah, what's taste? the flaw? The taste. It tastes awful, right? right? Nobody has ever in the history of time ever sipped cough syrup and goes, or, or sipped anything in life and go, ooh, this tastes so good. It mm -hmm. tastes like cough syrup, right? Those <laughs> words have never been uttered, right? right? So what do most, what's normal for most cough syrup companies to do is to try to figure out ways that they can address that flaw, right? They flavor right. it, right? They reformulate it, right? They figure out ways that they can reduce the impact of the taste. Well, Buckley's has been around for more than a hundred years. They sugarcoat it. They sugarcoat it. Yeah. Bubble, you know, cherry, bubble gum, whatever. Um, 
So Buckley's has been around for more than a hundred years. And if you talk to somebody from Canada, it's can it's a Canadian institution, right? Mm-hmm. And when you mention it, it's like a visceral reaction that most people have because Buckley's tastes awful. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so a number of years ago, they had only 2% of the market. Things were dire, right? And so maybe part of the strategy was like, how can you be like all of your competitors and change it? And what I loved was they said, no, it tastes awful and it works, mm-hmm. right? When they talked to people, they talked about the taste and how effective it was, right? Um And so they did an entire campaign, Brian, where they didn't hide from that awful taste. They made it the center point of their campaign. And they actually did a blind taste test where they had people try Buckley's and they had them try things like trash bag leakage, um, sweaty gym socks, public restroom puddle. And every time, now it wasn't, they weren't trying the actual stuff, but every right. time it, people were picking the, picking the other one as opposed to like the Buckley's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, the, the slogan for the campaign was people swear by it and at it, <laughs> right? And, and it's not for everyone. And, and as a result of that, not trying to change it, but trying to double and triple down on what it made made it inherently flawed, they went from 2% of the market and within 18 months, they were 10, excuse me, 11% of the market. Mm-hmm. Now that's a, it, it's Canada. So you have to look at it as like a hockey stick. That's a 550% increase in sales. Yeah, that's um, amazing. So th- that's a great example of a more strategy. Take what's inherently different and not try to fix it or correct it, but double or triple down on it. Now, let me give you the less strategy. Um, Now, both of these brands stand out by doing less. And what's interesting is they do less, but what they they do used to be what everyone used to do in business for their category. So the first example is Mm Chick-fil-A. So you're old enough like I am that it used to be that most businesses were closed on Sundays. Mm Mm-hmm. They, they actually called them blue laws. I'm not sure why blue, but you know you were mandated. You couldn't be open. But then all of the other fast food companies started when those laws loosened up to be open on Sundays, except two. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. And one of the ways that they stand out, and I joke around this with my kids almost every weekend, I tell them, whatever you want today at Chick-fil-A, I'm going to get it for you. <laughs> and of course, I'm saying that on a Sunday, and every once in a while, I'll catch them. But the fact that you can't now, the average Chick-fil-A makes more money than a McDonald's, KFC, and a Starbucks combined. And they do it being open only six days a week. The other one, Southwest Airlines, right? So it used to be, that everyone would would be able to check a couple bags for free. All of the other all of the other carriers decided to charge for checked baggage to do more, you know create more fees. What did Southwest do? We don't do that to our customers. We're going to do less, right? And not 
charge. Bags fly free. And they've even went further, Brian. No change fees. Mm-hmm. No cancellation fees. Mm-hmm. For them, it's about the idea of standing out by intentionally doing less right, of what the other carriers are doing more of and has become normal. And that's a perfect example of, because Southwest is one of the uh, brands that I love and use, and they've made it normalized that you don't have an assigned seat too, which is actually a pain in the butt. You know, you're right. basically walking in trying to figure out where you want to be. But because of those other two things, you say that's acceptable because this is better. So it's that give and take that makes it, you know, probably for them more profitable, but they've gotten their audience to accept something that other airlines generally don't do. Right. And and they know, look, what makes them different is it's very much a value play when you fly mm-hmm. Southwest. Um, and the second thing is that they're all about kind of friendly service compared to their competition. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not uncommon for a flight attendant um, when they're doing the safety to sing it or do a, a rap or a whole comedy act of that of that safety thing. Yeah, that makes them more down to earth. Well, Stan, this has been awesome. And I'm sure my people are going to want to learn more about goldfish. You have 12 of them. So we've covered one. So if they want to learn more about you and the goldfish, how do they do that? Sure. Uh, best way is either catch up with me on LinkedIn. I spent a lot of time there. Stan Phelps. And uh, my website is stanphelpsspeaks.com. And by the way, Brian, I'm going to challenge you that, and this is the central aspect of the whole pink goldfish. It's not awesome. It's the idea that our flaws... The things that truly make us unique are the things that make us awesome. Or as we say in the book from the eight ways, the things that make us flossom. I love flossom. It's very dental of you. Uh, With that being said, Stan, I so appreciate you coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. It's a pleasure to get to know you. I look forward to sharing a 18-hole round with you someday here in North Carolina because that's going to be fun, my man. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon.